Hello and welcome to a late night latte on Latte Firm. What a weekend. What a weekend of peak Barclays football, ladies and gents, boys and girls. It's great to be back on this Sunday night. Yesterday was just enthralling. Arsenal, of course, the early kickoff in the Premier League going up to Villa Park. Uncle Unai buried and how um, we went behind a couple of times. We came back a couple of times and then an emphatic couple of goals in injury time. Jorginho, a rebound off Martinez's head. And then Martinelli ran, running the length of the pitch to really bring the points home. And then the icing on the cake, Manchester City going to Forest and struggling to win. Oh, there's so much to talk about. I can't wait to tuck in. Uh, if you're new to Latte Firm, do drop a, a like on the video and a subscribe to the channel. It's really, really appreciated. It helps the video become more popular, the channel more popular, and your support is, of course, absolutely unbelievable. Um, as you can tell in my voice, um, it's a combination of both screaming in the house yesterday, running up and down the stairs and losing my voice. The post-match phoning on Twitter was hilarious, and I've got a bit of a stinking cold. Um, as per normal, let's go through some, some of the, the greetings. Umer was uh, first in line, been waiting for this podcast since yesterday, he says. Umer, well, here we are. We're finally here. Really, really appreciate you waiting for that. Nico, if your club is top of the league, smash that like. Mate, I could not disagree. Please do. Please, please, please do like the video. Arsenal Granny in the house. Hello, Arsenal Granny. Hope you've had a lovely weekend. I can't stop laughing at that third goal yesterday. Couldn't have happened to a more deserving person. And hopefully you mean by... Uh, Emmy Martinez. Freddie Preston in the house. Evening, guys. I was at the game yesterday uh, in the home fans with a Villa friend. It was very hard to stay silent when Martinez scored, but I'm still alive today. And so I managed it. Big, big win. Absolutely. Raphael Kastinov says a very good evening to you all. As always, thank you, FK and your crew, for brewing up another tasty latte firm up the gunners. Brilliant. Craig, how emotions can change from 45 minutes to 90 minutes. I 100% thought we'd drop points after the first half, and then City dropping points was the icing on the cake. Absolutely. Theodore says, here we go. Josh in the house. Here we fucking go, guys. Oh, mate, I love it. Loads of comments coming in. Good evening. Uncle Doris in the house. Evening all. Maurice, my man Maurice, who sits next to us in the North Bank, is watching. He's got his notifications on. As a warm welcome to you and your family, Maurice. I love that you watch. A for Arsenal. Good evening, FK. Oh, there's a lot of Arsenal fans happy in the chat today. Right, let's bring in our panellists. Great panel as well tonight. First up, needs no introduction, of course. It is Yembele. Welcome to the show, Yem. How are you feeling, man? I can see that little smile. <laughs> I'm very, very, very smug today. You know, it's it's lovely. No, do you know what? Oh, you know when Arsenal win, it just makes your weekend just flow better. You don't need to worry about everything else. But it was obviously a bonus, as you said, yesterday's uh, results doing well. So, But today you could just enjoy the day. I did. It was just very relaxed. And obviously I caught, caught the football. Not the ideal results in that respect. But I'll take, you know, look, I'll take yesterday all day long. If it, you know, Man United and Tottenham, not really in my radar it's uh we, we're on bigger and better planes you know that's what we're, you know but just relaxing just relaxing today just chilling out it's beautiful <laughs> you know there's no better feeling when you know you know when your sleep breaks in the morning and i don't know it, like if you know you know you have an immediate flashback of the scores from yesterday and it just tees you up for mate, the perfect sunday mate, the birds are singing the sun is out the air is crisp of soul as soul Campbell says it's a beautiful day <laughs> it is up by the way snack check what you got for me baby do you know what? I found these. These are really interesting. These are um, dime milk eggs. Oh, mate. Dime eggs, mate. Yeah. And they are addictive. The only problem, and this is a general problem with the world today. Here's my little rant. 
too small, too little, too little of these. There's like five in here. What's the point? Well, it means you oh. can have all five in one go. So, so enjoy that. Well, I've got, mate, I think you'd be proud of this. Savory. Cheetos. Oh, it's crunchy, cheese. mate. you got, you got to mate. get the extra hot. you got to no, get the no, extra no, hot. No, 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 Listen, no, no, no. the knick-knack version of Cheetos, right? I'm a What's It fan. No, no, no knick-knack These are versions. sensational. Absolutely no, no. stupendous baked good. No, no, knick-knack version is absolutely elite, but you need to have the super hot one, which is like this red okay. one. All right. All right. I'll give that a whirl. It I'll will give burn your tongue whirl. off, but it'll be awesome. It is awesome. Fair enough, right? You're getting a lot of love in the chat, which is fantastic. Uh, let's go to our next panelist. Needs no introduction. He's been on here many times before, delivering many Rohan Jivan masterclasses in Arsenal tactics. It is, of course, <laughs> Rohan. Welcome to the firm. How are you, my man? Oh, I'm buzzing, mate. Oh, just the last few weeks have been <laughs> tough, haven't they, as an Arsenal fan? And um, yeah, yesterday I, I needed that so much. Um, and then the City Resort as well. It's It was just the perfect perfect day for us and um we are definitely back that parade is on oh 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 well you beat, beat me through. we're going to talk about the title race and where it leaves us and of course manchester united as yembele mentions ladies and gents they have won today are they in the title race should they be in the talk we'll talk about that towards the end of the show our final panelist who's been on before hasn't been on for a while i'm delighted to welcome back kate kate welcome back to latte firm how are you Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. Great result to be talking about today as well. And yeah, really happy to be on. Thank you very much. And you, of course, at the game yesterday. So I'm really keen to hear about how everything unfolded, your mood after we conceded within four or five minutes, then getting getting level, then conceding again, then the injury time, chaos that must have ensued in the away end. I can't wait to hear all about that. If anybody wants to follow any of our panellists, those are the Twitter handles on screen, as you can see. And do drop a like on the video. Hundreds of you watching already, which is fantastic. Um I guess, look, I'm going to share the slides as I normally do, and we'll go through the lineup, we'll go through the match stats and performances and whatnot, but I've just got to ask, I mean, uh, Yem, we've had an introduction with you, so let's start with Rohan. How are you feeling, man? Because yesterday was an exhausting day. You know, when you wake up in the morning, it's the early Saturday kickoff, you kind of dread it because we played on Wednesday night and we'd lost, like you said, been an uncomfortable couple of weeks. But as the day unfolded, you know, getting the win, 90 plus eight minutes, whatever it was, and then Manchester City playing straight away and dropping points at Forest. What a euphoric day, Rohan. It was mental, wasn't it? Like, um, obviously, after Wednesday, you know, we we all went to the game um, and it was really deflating um, in terms of how it all kind of panned out in the end. Um, and it just felt, I was worried going into the Villa game because, you know, that was four games on the trot that we hadn't managed to to, to win any of them. Um, and then going into the Saturday game, um, not much time to kind of recover being the afternoon kickoff as well against Emery as well. It was, there was everything there for it to be a potential banana skin. Um, and obviously going in at halftime, we'll obviously talk about it, but to, to be 2-1 down and then the chances that we were missing throughout the second half, I just felt like it's it's not going to be our day. And then an absolute screamer um, by a player who I think his last goal before, well, he, he obviously didn't score it as an own goal, but... Um, the last goal that he actually had was against us um, at the Emirates. And so he's not known for, for, for striking through the ball in that kind of fashion. Um, and, then, and then to get over the line, it was, it was madness, especially after Erdegaard had that miss. You know, I thought, I thought it was going to be like a oh, Steven Gerrard moment, potentially. Um, but we obviously got over the line in the end. And then the Forest game, I watched that game and they, they were getting absolutely destroyed throughout all of it. And then for them to, to get a late goal, it was just, it, it felt like the perfect day. Um, and it just goes to show that this City team, for me, and we were speaking about it at halftime where, you know, 
we don't there's not much there for us to say that they're going to go on a run barring the fact that they've done it previously um and their first game after beating us they've slipped up so I, I think it's game on and just yeah I'm buzzing and I think it's just given us that confidence that you know there's still a lot more twists and turns for this race to go and um I'm, I'm really confident now You on mute? You're on mute, Fies. <laughs> you got to tell me. It's not your data. It's not. You got to tell me sooner, boys and girl. You've got to wave frantically. Uh, all I was saying is that um, no wonder you guys looked all so worried and panicked. Um, <laughs> Wayne is in the chat. Says, "Oh, Emmy Martinez. He was my co-host on the phone in yesterday. More than five thousand people tuned in live, which is a record number, I think, for Latte Firm. So if you're on Twitter, get involved in those phone-ins, and of course, you can download them as an audio podcast on Spotify." Um, Kate, I want to come to you as a match goer. Uh, you were at the game yesterday. Uh, Rohan talked at the start of the show about it being quite a difficult few weeks for us. Results not going our way. You know, we failed to pick up points at Goodison, failed to get the win. We were cheated by VAR. I think it, I think it's fair to say against Brentford, and obviously the title showdown, as many described it, didn't go our way on Wednesday night. What was the mood like for you traveling to the game, being in and amongst the Arsenal fans? I mean, you were loud. It was clear to hear on TV, and and that's never in doubt. But was there a little bit of anxiety or nerves creeping in or was it just about bouncing back? Oh, my God. Yeah, definitely on my part, there was some nerves. I think we all knew what a huge occasion it was going to be tomorrow. It was really going to be sort of our chance to get back on track after the past few weeks we've had. Um, and I'm glad to hear that atmosphere translated as well on the TV because it was, I mean, it was great. First half, maybe not so much, but in the second half, um, the crowd obviously just completely got behind the team. And at the, the final whistle, I mean, there's there's no feeling like it. I think anyone who's been to a match will know what it's like to be there and sort of experience that and see sort of the players experiencing that with you there as well. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it has been a, a tough couple of weeks. I mean, Still, all things considered, I think we've been doing pretty well, <laughs> considering where we are in the table. Um, but there was definitely a sense of it being sort of the occasion for us to put things right a bit. And we did step up, albeit a little nerve wrackingly, but we did get there in the end. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think looking at that result now as well, it's potentially not one that we'd have, have swung our way maybe two or three seasons ago. Um, sort of, I think the it goes to show sort of the mentality in the team as well um, to be able to turn that in our favour because sort of looking back, I, I don't think we would have done that in the past. So it's really good to see that sort of things are changing a little bit and we are able to sort of win ugly where we need to. Do you know, I'm so, I'm so pleased you kind of just said what you have because it was difficult on Wednesday night and the Arsenal fans were, were in great, on great form. And it was clear because when um, Ollie Watkins scored within the first few minutes, Arsenal fans were straight on their feet. Come on, Arsenal. Arsenal players were racing back to the centre circle just to kind of carry on. We'll talk about the goals. And of course, it's really nice to hear your stories. And of course, I can't wait to hear about how injury time unfolded and what the scenes were towards the end. Uh, as I normally do, I'm going to share some slides now. So, Yem, you're first up. I want to get your thoughts on, um, I suppose, the team news. I mean, there wasn't really much that Mikel Arteta could have done. Uh, as you can see, courtesy of now underscore Arsenal on Twitter. That was a starting lineup. Ramsdale in goal. Ben White being called back into the team over Tomiyasu. Saliba and Gabriel both were absolutely outstanding yesterday on Saturday. Uh, Sinchenko playing left back. Xhaka and Jorginho with Erdegaard and, of course, Saka, Nketiah and Trossard coming in for uh, Gabby Martinelli. What were your thoughts on the starting lineup, Yem? Yeah? Um, I think 
Ben White coming in wasn't a surprise. I thought Tommy Asu didn't have really his best. Obviously, the mistake against Man City will be the one, the piece that's magnified. But I thought Ben White looked be- look a- looked a better player when he came on, and I think he gives us more in an in attacking sense. And in this kind of game, I thought he was, you know, it, it made sense. Trossard for Martinelli. I think that one was on the books for a while. Um, I think it's. I'm not with this argument that Gabby is tired. I think it is a system issue without Jesus, but I think he does need a little... I think you do need to bench players when there is a, a suitable rotation available. And Trossard has done well since he he's come in. You know, every game he's come on, he's looked bright. Um, he's done well. And I saw no reason why he wouldn't start. So, no, I, I, apart from that, I'm still out on... You know, there's always this debate about Inketia. Should Inketia be dropped and maybe Trossard to the middle and maybe... Or Martinelli. Uh, I would... It would... I think there is a time coming where we might see it. It wasn't this game because of the the nature of the game. But, you know, Enketia, and we'll talk about it, I'm sure, but I think there is a point where we're going to need to rotate Enketia as well, just because we're getting, we can see it. We're getting to that point where certain players are starting to just look a little jaded, a little bit off form, et cetera. And, and obviously, so I think he's trying to rotate as much as possible while still maintaining the balance. And that's the important thing because obviously, when you're playing these teams, as we all know, they are going to be, you know, most of the time behind the ball, very compact, very, you know, very organised. That's how they all are against us. So, you know, we have to keep a familiar team. Rotating too much will cause too many issues. So no surprises for me in in what he did. But I think more will be coming in, in the next few weeks. Kate, obviously you were sort of in the ground perhaps when uh, the, the lineup was was announced. Leo Trossard coming for Gabby Martinelli. Martinelli, obviously a fan favourite. How did that make you feel at the time? Yeah, I think it was nice to see him come into the starting lineup. Um, as Jan said there, I think um, if we're going to be a club that's going to compete with the likes of City, we need to have that squad depth and being able to start someone like Trossard and sort of knowing that we can rely on Martinelli as well in that position, um, I think goes to show sort of how things have evolved for us a little bit. Um, I think he was quite quiet during the game in certain parts. He he was often in quite a lot of space as well. And I was quite interested to see how sort of that would pan out when he, he did come into that starting lineup. Because knowing sort of how he would link up with Zinchenko, we haven't necessarily seen too much of that yet. Um, and I don't know. I, I, I think... I'd prefer Martinelli to start, clearly. Um, we know him, we know sort of his his role within the team, where Trossard maybe doesn't sort of sit so comfortably right now. Um, but yeah, I think in general, he, he performed pretty well, but it'd be great to see a bit more of him. And it's really good to have him available in that position too. Yeah, I think you're spot on. Um, I I didn't want Martinelli to get dropped on uh, on, on yesterday. Uh, sorry, it feels it feels like a few days ago. That's why I keep saying on on. It was actually only just yesterday. I didn't want Martinelli to get dropped. Um, but you know what? Sometimes you need to just freshen things up. And I'm glad he came on as a sub. I'm glad he got his goal. We'll talk about his goal, of course. Uh, so some more comments in the chat. Wayne saying, um, "Sorry, Colleen, come in first of all. Shout out to Colleen. Evening all. Super Emmy Martin is leading us to the Prem. Wayne's world's come back and saying, Colleen, you're distracted. Please get back to your WhatsApp job. No idea what's going on." between those two uh, but carry on i love to see it arsenal granny i love cheetos thank you treacherous tiger in the chat fk bringing the real snacks you damn right the cheetos were amazing um abu salim says i'm in egypt picked up six of those cheetos for under a pound this packet of cheetos cost me six quid six quid so i'm gonna eat like 
just like three a day just to really sort of cherish the taste and, and the flavor. Um, right, let's go to uh, Rohan next. So Rohan, um, well, any thoughts on the lineup, Rohan, before I talk to you, talk to you about the game? Yeah, I think um, going back to Wednesday, you know, obviously he made the change for Tomiyasu. Um, and that was something I, I personally didn't agree with because I think throwing Tomiyasu in a game of that magnitude where he didn't really have many minutes under his belt, I think was a tough ask. And obviously I think he started really rusty and he played that poor back pass. Um, and I think Mikhail said that it was a decision that he made along the similar lines to what he did against Liverpool in terms of that tactical switch. But again, Tomiyasu had minutes under his belt in the Europa League going into that. And I felt with Ben, he had a difficult two games against United where he got hooked at half-time and Rashford had a really good game against him, um, got a yellow card, um, was taken off. And then I didn't think he performed well against Everton. But I thought his performance against Brentford was really bright. And, you know, our main threat came through that right-hand side and the overlaps that he gave. So I thought it was tough on him to come out against um, City. So I was actually really happy that he came back um, for Saturday. I would have, that would have been my only change personally. Um, after watching the City game back, I felt that we played really well. Um, it was a different feeling in at the ground in comparison to the rebound. So I, I was happy for us to keep the same team. But I think with Trossard, I think Arteta said it just before um, the game that we needed to rotate because we needed to maintain that freshness. And he has been giving an impact every time he has um, been called into action. Um, I just think with Trossard, and I'm sure we'll probably talk about it, I think we have to make a little tweak to get the best out of him. I think, again, we'll talk about it in the game. I thought he did well, but I think he can. we can maximise his qualities by utilising him a little bit differently. So all in all, I was happy with the team. Very happy that White came back into the side. In the end, of course, we did get the victory. Um, it was an emphatic win with a couple of goals in injury time, as you can see on that right-hand side image, 4-2 victorious on the day. Um, first up, Rohan, sticking with you. Never in doubt, was it? Uh, the 4-2 victory. Um, there's the attacking threat chart on the left-hand side. Again, a graphic courtesy of now underscore Arsenal with the match stats courtesy of Callan Stats. Um, Rohan, it is a comprehensive performance by Arsenal. When you When you look back at it now... And you see the attacking threat chart on that left-hand side. It's all blue, which is the Arsenal. Aston Villa having dangerous moments, particularly at the very start, of course, when they scored, uh, when they scored their second goal as well, completely against the run of play. But actually, when you think about it like this, and you look at the numbers on the on the right-hand side there, I mean, obviously we won 4-2. Expected goals, 3.3 to Aston Villa's 0.3. We had, we, had, we had an expected goals of 3.18 in the second half alone. 21 shots on, tar on, on goal for Arsenal, six on, on target. Seven shots on goal for Villa, five on target. We've dominated possession, 67%. You've got a really interesting article coming out. Don't give too much away about that tomorrow, uh, as in tonight about tomorrow. But what are your thoughts on just the style of play? When you look at the, the attacking threat chart there, Rohan, it really was quite comfortable in the end. Yeah, it was. I think we would have came out of that game if we didn't win, feeling a little bit, you know, would have been really deflated because the evidence is right in front of you. You know, we dominated that game and they they had a few moments and they they capitalised on it, kind of similar to City in terms of how ruthless they were. And I thought Villa were also ruthless. Um, but that second half, I think that 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 level of pressure that we sustained, you know, was probably one of our best all season. You know, we were just really wasteful in the final third. And you can see the field tilt, you know. I've not seen many scenarios in which a team has had, you know, 82%. Uh, of the territory um, and that's just a testament to the dominance that we had and I, I was I was just really happy with the response because you know like we said it's been a difficult few weeks and going in at a half time 2-1 down um, and to respond in the manner that we did I think is a testament to the character that this team has had you know we've had a few little slip-ups recently but I think 
when we've had adversity, we've been able to react in a positive manner. You know, there's many games this season where, you know, we've been a goal behind or a team has pegged us back and we've been able to respond quickly. And I thought, you know, obviously the, the, the third goal was, you know, an element of luck, but a lot of quality, but we were pushing really hard. And um, I think the end result um, was thoroughly deserved. And, you know, I, I don't think Aston Villa can really have any complaints about that, um, given the, the numbers that you can just see there. And I, I think the style of play, you know, I've said it before um, and I'll continue to say it. I don't think there's anyone in Europe playing better than Arsenal, irrespective of what's been happening recently. Um, I just think the dominance that we play with and and we did it against City, you know, and and the, the way that we were able to to, to control them. And, and when was the last time they were able to have 33% possession of the Guardiola? I think that's the, the lowest they've ever had there. And Greeley said it after the game as well. So despite some of the, blo- the bumps that we've had, you can't take anything away from how well we perform and... We're at the top of the table for a reason. Um, so, so yeah, really, really good performance um, and, and definitely deserved it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And just racing, rattling through the rest of the stats. I mean, final third entries, look at that, 72 to 23. Expected threat created 3.7, you know, multiple fold uh, compared to Villa. 66 deep touches, 16 zone 14 touches, so touches just outside the D of the penalty area. That is incredible from Arsenal. And actually not too dissimilar to the possession dominance that we had against Man City. And it never feels like it, does it, Kate? When you're in the ground, you look at these stats and it does feel like one-way traffic. And I'm sat here wondering, what was all the trouble about? But actually, it was more tense than it was. So let's talk through the first goal, Kate. The game's kicked off. It's a really exciting atmosphere. Uncle Unai in the opposition touchline, Aston Villa fans. You know, Aston Villa unbeaten under Unai Emery at Villa Park, I must add. And they get off to the perfect start for the home team. You know, Zinchenko loses possession up in, in their half. They quickly break. It's a it's a ball over the top. Saliba could have done better, but Ollie Watkins, great control, lovely finish, one nil, and the Villa fans are absolutely in your face and so loud. At that point, Kate, what are you thinking? I mean, do you just go straight panic mode, <laughs> or are you like, hang on a second, there's only four minutes on the clock here, we can do this? Yeah, I think someone close to me actually said at that time there's still a long way to go. Um, I mean, it was a dream start for them, really, wasn't it? And you can't deny that kind of goal. Um, there's there's not too much we probably could have done about that. Um, but we did respond in the right way. And I think certainly around me, we all sort of felt that we would respond as well. Um, there was never really a question of that writing off the whole game for us. Um, and that belief in the team was always there as well. Um, obviously, it later developed a little bit differently to how we maybe would have liked um, but so, certainly, sort of, as the game kicked off, um, the optimism was definitely there. Um, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think I think I tweeted at the time that if there's one positive to take from that goal conceded, which is an unusual thing to say, but just sort of tickle me with this for a second, it's that they scored four minutes something seconds on the clock, and I thought to myself. I'd rather they get into the lead at that stage than sort of 85 minutes, let's say, on the clock when you haven't got much time to get back. Uh, Rohan, just coming back to you, I mean, Saliba could have, should have maybe done better, but actually the damage was done in the opposition half when Sinchenko gave the ball away quite cheaply. Yeah, exactly that. Um, and I think Ollie Watkins is, is quite an underrated striker in those moments. He, he's he's given a lot of defenders problems. And I think if you go back to the start of the season when Saliba was performing at a level that is that was incredible, he's still been fantastic um, throughout the season. But Ollie Watkins was, I think, in the early stages, the only striker who gave him a few problems um, in that game uh, at the Emirates. And um, I think he can definitely do better if he can get closer. Um, but the finish was was ruthless. And, and like you said, I think Zinchenko, um, that's where the problem really rises. That's what I would look for. And it's 
it's something that's quite uncharacteristic of Zinchenko because there are not many situations where he'd give the ball away um, carelessly in that in that moment. So um, it, it starts from there. Saliba can definitely get a bit tired. He does well in the sense to, to not allow him to cut inside, but I think he can get closer when he shows him on the outside. But the finish is, is ruthless. Um, and you're kind of thinking at that stage, you know, here we go again and it's it's going to be another long day. Um, but yeah, um, a couple of errors definitely from our, our, our point of view there. Well, lucky for us, we equalised fairly quickly for this guy. And I thought it'd be quite interesting to bring this up because after uh, the comments in midweek, Thierry Henry, if anybody's unfamiliar, if anybody's been asleep, he said on Amazon Prime video before the City game saying that big players, the best players in the world are not nice. If you want to be big, if you want to be the guy, you can't be nice. And of course, Bukayo Saka getting involved in his one of very few scuffles that I've seen him get involved in, which, which made me really quite giddy. And I'll talk about that in just a second. Uh, Saka then, of course, dedicating his celebration uh, to the legend, the great man himself, Thierry Henry, as you can see there on the right-hand side. The goal itself, Yem, um, the ball's coming from white. I think it was Tyrone Mings who sort of awkward-headed it back into the box area. And Saka unleashes the most insane volley, roof of the net. Martinez, no chance. I mean, the ball's probably torn a hole in the net. Yem, tell us through the, talk us through the equaliser. It's just another world-class finish from a, a player who I said was bordering on world-class. It probably is world-class now. Um, how many times is he coming up with the big goals? You, you can't underestimate how big a player he, he is now for club and country. You know, they're talking about Rashford's having a great season, which he is. But if you look at it, Saka is going toe-to-toe and he's a wide midfielder who is not considered out-and-out out forward and hasn't got, you know, searing pace. But he, he keeps coming up with these big moments. And that's elite mentality. You also have to factor in that this man is getting kicked about the park pretty much from the minute zero. And yesterday, I think we all winced a little bit when he went down, you know, when he had that moment, you know, where he was down for a while and you could see, look, there was, I think there was like five or six big fouls on him. You know, there was Moreno, Tyrone Mings got the standard foul in on him, you know, the rake, you know, but he keeps coming back. And, you know, it's it's amazing his powers of recovery and the way he keeps pushing through. Because, you know, the goal was just one part of it, but he was the main outlet. He was the main threat through the game. And, you know, that goal just epitomised his progress. I mean, the the technique was, was really crisp. When it came to him, boom, it was, you know, it, it wasn't even a thought in his head. He didn't think about it. He's a player with confidence at the moment, so he didn't even think about it. It's It's... I've said it to you multiple times, you know, players who are really confident don't even think about it. They just instinctually go for the strike and it ha- and it happens. And he is in that vein right now where he's not even thinking about it. He just trusts himself and he is, you know, absolutely taking teams apart. He did it, He, you know, Manchester United, that goal, you know, cutting inside again. This one, an astounding volley. You can name it all over, all up the season. And he assists as well. He is our main man. No matter what anyone says, we've talked, we've, you know, we've waxed lyrical about Erdegaard, Zinchenko, etc. But make no mistake, he is the main man in our team. And he needs more protection. I'm sure we can talk about this, but Arteta has also said he needs more protection because it's getting ridiculous now how, you know, how many times he's being fouled a game. And, I, and he, there's no rec- yellow cards, but yet he gets the yellow card pushing back and I do you know yes it's un you know it's not him but how much more can a boy take you know this is the problem that he's being absolutely kicked off the park 
I have no issues with that. Let him get this nasty because it's not fair to him. His, his career could end one day. Look, God forbid, his career could end because he's not getting any protection from these referees. The players are literally going in on him because they're getting the, the leeway from these referees. It's it's not acceptable. I am worried. I think we've got previous with young players at Arsenal getting horrifically injured. And of course, I, I pray that that doesn't happen to Bukayo. Um, to, to, to the point about him be, being the killer, uh, as that's the word that I've used here. I, I've said long, long, many, many times on this channel, the day Bukayo Saka learns to become more devastating in the final third, i.e. scoring regularly, uh, creating goals regularly, because he always found himself in great positions. He's a great, you know, he can beat men one-on-one -on -one for fun, physically growing stronger, has so much flair and finesse to his game, wonderful player, but you've got to be devastating. And, the, and I said it, like there's a, there's a little clip that I put on the, on the Latte Firm Twitter feed maybe a couple of, couple of weeks back from, from many, many months ago saying, the day Bukayo Saka learns how to score goals regularly, Premier League's in trouble. Um, he's unplayable. The guy is, and that's why these players are resorting to, to these sorts of tactics, Yem, where they want to just kick lumps out of him or they want to be, you know, try and do some shithousery. And at some point, uh, you know, he's going to get hurt. That is just the way that it's going. So to answer the question that I just put up on screen there from A for Arsenal, yeah, I am worried about the number of kicks that Saka receives, but Thierry Henry's right to an extent. The guy's got to learn to ride these challenges and take a few kicks here and there because the Premier League is going to be like that and he will be targeted because of his talent and because of what he means to Arsenal. But he can become this nice killer. He's he's there, 21 years old and he's world-class. I mean, he's, uh, yeah, probably our best player. Absolutely phenomenal talent. Um, Rohan, uh, feel free to eulogise about Saka, but I want to talk about the second goal that Villa scored. So a few minutes after that, maybe 15 minutes, Villa break quite nicely, actually. Ben White maybe caught uh, he sort of took a gamble and pushed up to the right back, which created a bit of space in behind him. Villa worked the ball across. It's dummied by, um, I think, Buendia. Xhaka obviously misses it because he's expecting Buendia to take the touch. Coutinho touch, finishes it by sending Ramsdale the wrong way. Um, tell us about the second goal, what it kind of meant. And if you want to continue praising Saka, please, by all means, do that first. Yeah, I think with Saka, I think, yeah, as I echo everything he said. And I think the special thing with Saka is that you know, I think everyone else is starting to kind of recognise how good he is. As Arsenal fans, we know how good this guy's been. You know, when he's gone through the whole journey under Arteta and has played in many different positions, he's played at left back, he's played left wing back, he's played right back, right wing back, left central midfield, left wing, etc. He's played in so many different positions at such a young age. And that's a testament to, the, to his intelligence, but also his character and his, his, and his ability to be consistent, you know, regardless of what situation and conditions that he's surrounded by. Um, and I think the World Cup, his performances for England, I think has kind of got him on the world stage. But like I said, we know how good he is. And statistically this season, that's where, for me, I, I said, if Saka wants to go to that next level, which we all know he's capable of, he's got to hit consistent numbers. And that's exactly what he's doing. And I don't think there's a right winger in world football who's better than him right now. Um, and he, he's just incredible. And even in a lot of these recent games in which we've gone through difficult spells, he's always been the guy who's looked the most threatening. Um, and I think the Rashford comparison, you know, Rashford's having a fantastic season and he's been he's been excellent and he's another fabulous player. But I think Saka's all-around game um, and, and the fact that he can perform and, and have a good level of performance without scoring is the difference between those two players. Whereas Rashford, I think he's just that kind of killer where Saka contributes to to so many things within our general play. So he, he's just brilliant. Um, and a lot of the quality on his weaker right foot this season, well, I think that's something that has improved. Um, and 
yeah, I, I just I can't speak any more highly of him, and we're so lucky to have him. In terms of the second goal, I think White for sure should do better, but I think it starts way before that, and it's Arsenal this season have been so good in the press. You know, we go man for man, and um, we don't allow teams time to settle, and and we force them to go long. We make it a dual winning contest, and. Gabriel, Saliba, and when parties available, we do so well to kind of regain possession. But in that moment, if you watch it back, Erdegaard is late to get to Kamara, and Kamara has so much time on the ball. And that's where that, that piece of play in which we're not aggressive enough in that moment causes a ripple effect, allows Villa to go through the thirds. And then obviously what I should do better, it goes through Jacker's legs and, and they finish it. And it's the first time we've conceded a goal like that all season, which was really disappointing because we mean so good on that front. And perhaps it could be fatigue. Perhaps it could be just us switching off in a split second. Um, but it wasn't a good goal. Um, and I think actually Erdegaard, who had a, an incredible second half um, that we'll probably talk about, um, and one of the, the contenders for Man of the Match, I think he's... The biggest reason as to why we conceded that goal because he's not close enough to Kamara. He allows him to drive forward, and 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 that's that's where it starts from. Um, so, yeah, a really disappointed goal from our perspective. Yeah, I'd agree with that. It was very much against the runner players we saw on the slide just a moment ago. And I guess Kate, being there when you know that Saka is equalised and you're trying to build to get back into the game and maybe sort of go up the other end and take the lead, your heart must sink when Coutinho goes up the other side nets it the Villa fans are back on their feet giving it the big because you kind of think well you know you take one punch all right you can get up and you go again take a couple of big blows like that in a big game where the pressure's on you've just lost a city the world is watching this is the chance for Arsenal to either crumble you know when Coutinho nets I'm, I'm imagining all the headlines like you know Arsenal have bottled it Arsenal have blown it and you know what was it like for you um and I guess, you know, looking ahead to half time, because I remember tweeting like we need to get level before half time, because I just don't think we were playing in that first half enough to to warrant us getting something out of the game. I mean, you must have gone into full panic mode. Yeah, it definitely felt like we were we came at it off the back foot. Um, as you say, I think we we're in the position where people are watching us a little bit more closely this season. People are almost waiting for that point where we slip up. And um, for the point to say, well, that's it, the title race is over kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, that definitely plays on your mind. Um, and I think against a team like Villa as well, you do hope to be able to sort of have the victory in the bag a little bit sooner. Uh, so, yeah, after the second goal, I think it does make your heart sink, you know, as you're watching, you're like, oh, well, coming from behind again, here, here we go. Like, we've got to get back onto it. Um, but I think, I don't know, that... As I've said before here, there does seem to be a difference of mentality and not just sort of among the fans as well, but among the players. Um, there is more of a feeling that, that we can come from behind. And having seen us do it sort of several times this season already, um, it does instill a little bit more confidence than we've had previously, I think. Um, so seeing the Villa fans celebrate is very disheartening, but, you know, um, there is still that hope that we we would then sort of come back on top again. And that to me is a definite change in mindset and in mentality than we've had before. I remember thinking like at halftime, this is going to take an almighty team talk from Mikel, you know, for the way that we played in that first half, which was, you know, we, we obviously dominated possession, but we weren't doing much with it. The ball, you know, the, the, the automatisms just weren't there. The players weren't, weren't clicking. It just looked a little bit nervy, a little bit anxious. And boy, did we come out in that second half. I mean, you must have noticed it immediately, Kate. Obviously, the first five, ten minutes, we just started knocking on the door straight away. The, the tempo of our play was quicker. Erdegaard was getting on the ball much more. 
players were moving so much more. Like first half was quite static. Like the players would have the ball, no one's running, no one's running behind, no one's you know turning and spinning defenders to to make themselves space. Um, and then of course we get the leveler, which is from a from a corner. So sticking with you, Kate, how good must have that felt? Because you, you're obviously thinking, right, we need to score early. If we're going to win this game, we need to get at least one in the first order, ten to fifteen, then to, to give us some time to get the third. How was that when when Sinchenko buried that bottom corner? brilliant like everyone naturally just completely erupted um and it did stem from half time definitely I think whatever Mikel did in there it clearly worked uh the players came out a little bit earlier as well and I think to see them all out before the Villa team came back out we were all sort of of the opinion that something had changed um mindset was a little bit different um but when that goal went in I mean it's there's no feeling like it um you just kind of know then that you're in for a bit of a treat um and yeah, I think it just set us back on the right track again. And it's it's always good to sort of come from behind and to get the satisfaction of knowing that you've actually worked to, to sort of win the game. It's not just been sort of an easy an easy walkover. Um, we really grafted for that win yesterday. Um, and yeah, luck was on our side a couple of times. Luck was also on their side a couple of times. Um, but that really was sort of the reward of, of the work of the players, really. Yeah, and it's nice to see a goal come from a, from a set piece. I mean, Rohan... Nico Jovi's come in from Man City, set-piece coach. Defensively, we've been a little bit awkward at defending set-pieces this season, but offensively, we're becoming more creative with our, with our corners, which is nice to see because the number of times I see a floated corner in, we can't often beat the first man or, you know, we're, we're up against a much taller, physically imposing team and they just always end up clearing it. So to work these little neat corners with shots on the edge of the box, it's great to see, isn't it? Yeah, it was different. Um, and it was quite the same kind of pattern that we did throughout the game. Um, and I think was actually said something um, to me that Stevenage um, in the FA Cup, they did the same thing against Aston Villa. So I think it's kind of a weakness that they have with these short corners because I think what we do um, is that we have obviously players in the box to pin a lot of those Villa players in that area close to Martinez. Um, and then we'll play it short and we'll try and free up the half space. And before Zinchenko actually um, scored that goal, um, we had a really good little corner routine. That's the same pattern that was on the opposite side. Um, we freed Zinchenko up, he put a cross in and um, it was a threatening cross and it, we could have we could have done something with that situation. But the goal itself as well is the exact same pattern. Um, you know, we have players in the box to pin um, Villa defenders close to Martinez. We threw up that half space and that gives Zinchenko that time to, to strike and go. And it's a really good strike. I think that's his first goal in the Premier League. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but, um, you know, what a time for it to, to happen as well. And I think... With Nicholas Jova, um, I think he's been brilliant since he's came in. I think obviously we've had a little bit of a turbulent spell in terms of defending set pieces. I think probably our worst period under him um, in that regard. But generally, you know, I think we had Georgeson previously as our set piece coach, where we were again really resilient in general defensively. I think we were a top two or top three in the league uh, when he was there. But offensively, we were atrocious on on corners. You know, we could never really have many situations where we were threatening. Jova came in last season, I think we were top three or four, I think behind West Ham, Liverpool and City on corners um, defensively as well. Obviously, we've had a little blip defensively in the last few games. But again, all in all, I think we've been really strong on that front. And again, um, yesterday, I think that innovation, that persistence to go that pattern, because I think, you know, when you see short corners, I think when you're in the in the stands, I've always experienced it at times where, you know, people get frustrated where they're like, just just get it in the mixer and, and, and just try and cause problems using that method, the kind of standard method. But with these short corners, I think we kind of spotted something um, and it was key to us actually getting back in the game. So I, I always think it's very important to have multiple 
many different ways to score goals, you know, not just in open play, but trying to have situations where if things are becoming difficult, you need other avenues, you need set pieces. And I think that was, you know, massive for us in that moment. It really was. Vlad in the chat saying, yep, Zinchenko's first goal in the Premier League for Arsenal. What a time to score it. Uh, if you saw me sort of smiling, trying, trying to not giggle, it was this, I'm in trouble, says Mikel reminded him of the fog in his standards. <laughs> Oh, I just, I, it's a horrendous accent, but I just, I love thinking about anything that Mikel says in Mikel's voice. Uh, Yembele, as you may have noticed, I stopped sharing the screen, but I'm going to restart sharing it because weirdly, I missed out the Sinchenko goal, but I fast forwarded now to, oh, Jorginho, what a hit, son. So look, we're 2-2, Yem. Yeah? Um, I'm clock watching. I'm watching the seconds, the minutes go by. Kate, you're probably the same, looking up at the scoreboard, watching the minutes, thinking, shit, 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 shit. When are we going to get, when are we going to net? Injury time goes up. Six minutes. Six minutes. Uncle Unai is going to Unai, and he made lots of substitutions, and it basically rocked Villa. I think they made all maximum five subs, which completely ruined the momentum for their team, which was great, obviously. But yeah, I mean, 92 minutes and 30 seconds. I think I'm buried in my sofa Again, sitting there imagining all the headlines that were going to come and I had to do the host the phone in, which isn't easy when you've not won because you're, you're so sad about the game. And I'm just all these things are going by. I've been mean to the kids because I'm watching it on TV and they're making too much noise. I'm like, get out, get out. And then Martinelli gets a ball from Sinchenko. All the players are storming, it's like storming into the Villa box and a little bit of space just opens up outside the area for Jorginho of all men. And as the ball came over to him, I must admit, I was like, no, 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 no. Like, don't, 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 don't. And he's just twired it. I mean, well, just just talk us through the goal. Talk us through your feelings. And what a time to score it. Yeah, it, no, it was coming. I think the six minutes certainly helped us because obviously we knew we had more time. But we were we were in the ascendancy through the second half, I think. I think we obviously missed a very uh, a, a few chances. Erdegaard's open goal, everyone was head in hands because even he was, because we saw, you know, the one play, you know, there's a couple of players you want it to fall to the ball when it's that easy. And Martin Erdegaard's one of them. When he missed, I think everyone was thinking, that's it. It's not going to happen. Today's not the day. But we kept pressing really well. And then obviously when we get to, you know, obviously towards the end of the 90, I think, you know, like you, I was getting pretty angry. I was shouting. My, my wife was, <laughs> my wife was not particularly happy with the, the noise that was coming from me. My daughter was telling me to, you know, why are you shouting, Daddy? It's not very nice. Um, but then obviously Jorginho got the ball and, you know, the hit was, you know, really cultured. It was a really well taken hit, but like you, you know, whenever someone takes a long shot, you're like, Oh, don't do that. Why have you done? And then obviously the most beautiful poetic, you know, photographic piece of, of action, because let us all regale in, in, in Emmy Martinez, who let, let's give the story of Emmy Martinez through the game being the twat he was, he, from the first, what was it? From minute one, he time wasted, didn't he? Absolutely. From minute one, at the home goalkeeper was time wasting. Not by, you know, not to, but to the degree that it was almost comedic. The referee, what gave the yellow card in about the 85th minute, was it? It was, it a was joke. really late on. It was really it was, late. It was pathetic. It was pathetic. And. As usual, Emmy Martinez had made it about Emmy Martinez, and we'll obviously talk about Emmy Martinez's, you know, mannerisms culminating in the most beautiful way. But this was beautiful as a picturesque thing because the way he, when Jorginho hit it, 
it was going it was going towards the top corner, but obviously it bounced out off the post. Off the bar. Off the bar. Martinez had, you know, dived. He'd fallen to the floor. The ball had bounced out at an angle, hit his head, and bounced in. It was, you know, it could have it, George, happened. Do you know what? Jorginho could take that shot a hundred times and oh, it yeah. wouldn't happen again. Like the chances of him hitting that ball like it was, and, and the ball was in the air, so it wasn't even like along the ground. Yeah. It hits the bar for it to come off and like at that angle and bounce off Martinez's head at that height and then roll in. Unbelievable. I mean, just on the goal, uh, Rohan, can I just come to you about the offside questioning that, that, that people have been sort of talking about? There were two Arsenal players and a Villa player, might I add, in Emmy Martinez's line of sight. Now that you've seen it back, now that you've seen all the sort of replays and whatnot, any you know credibility in that? No, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I don't think he's going to get close to it. He would get anywhere near closer yeah, um, if they weren't in his eye line anyway. Um, I'd have to watch it back. I've not seen that angle back too many times. I've just seen it from the front on uh, when he's when he's hit it. So I don't think it it, it should have been disallowed. Um, I think the strike in itself. Um, you know, it would have been really good. I think you remember that that moment Henri had with Kirkland when he was wasting time um, throughout yeah. that game, and and someone to just go to him um, and, and rub it in because he was doing it all game, and it was so frustrating. And even today, in my head, I've been kind of thinking, just imagine if that didn't go in, what would have happened and stuff. But nah, mate, it was it was so good. Um, and you know, I think obviously the strike, um, you could say it was a tad fortunate, but I think the way we kind of created that situation is very similar to the strikes Thomas Partey's had against Spurs and Forest, you know, where we kind of pin players deeper towards the goalkeeper with players in the box. We'd get Martinelli or Saka isolated and then we'll recycle it. And that's where the space comes up just outside the box. So they're given the platform to have the strike. It's just a case of can you can you actually strike through it well? Um, and a lot of the top teams, you know, who've won league titles, they, they have these types of games where you just need that magic moment. I remember company against Leicester. That could be our company moment, um, you know, um, yesterday. So I think... You know, he's. He, I think he's still a player who has divided amongst the Arsenal fan base. But I think that 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 moment should have won certainly a large large section of them over. And let's talk about that moment, Kate. I mean, first of all, to see six minutes go up on the board because I was expecting three or four. I didn't think it was that sort of a game. I was surprised. Um, and then for Jorginho for that space to open up. I mean, you had the perfect view. The away fans were sort of in line with. With that end, I mean, just I believe the word is scenes or limbs. <laughs> Tell me what, just 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 share the experience of being in that crowd at that moment. Yeah, as you say, scenes. <laughs> I mean, I think I put on Twitter yesterday. It's just poetic how it turned out. I mean, couldn't have happened to a nicer bloke. Bless him. Um, yeah, I think Jorginho just. He just shut us all up yesterday, didn't he? Um, there's a lot of doubt over him as a player, him as a signing. And for him to go and strike the ball in that way, I think it, he was just completely like silencing the haters. And it worked. We all thought it was an incredible moment, clearly. Um, I also have a bit of a cold. So I was like screaming, snotting, tears. It was great. Um, yeah, brilliant. And clearly one of two Emmy Martinez moments talk about the other one in a moment I'm sure um, but the fact that it bounced off his head to go in the goal you could not have written it couldn't have written it better it's just poetic were it? you a, were you a little bit anxious about sort of a VAR check or anything because obviously I, so when the ball went when when the goal was scored 
I leapt up off my sofa, started screaming, terrified my children, ran up the stairs, ran back down the stairs, like just completely headless, not knowing what to do. And in that short space of time, I'd realized that people were checking for offside or for a foul or whatever. And obviously nothing was given. Was there that, was there that moment of fear in the stadium or was it quite clear for you guys? The players just, we were back to the center circle. You're just waiting for them to crack on. Yeah, straight away, I don't think any of us had the sense that it would go to a VAR check. Um, the first I heard of it was my Arsenal group chat was going off. <laughs> Everyone's saying, hang on a minute, um, we've just got to check this one. Um, but straight away, we we all celebrated it like there was no question. Um, so to have that little moment of nerves, I think definitely um, was a little bit tense. Um, but yeah, clearly the result came good for us. Oh, mate, I wish I was there. Uh, Yem, um, there's a chat here. Louise, sorry to cover you temporarily. Louise answers, Jorginho, what a game. Um, aside from the goal, Yem, Jorginho has come in for a lot of criticism uh, since we signed him. Uh, Was has been guilty of that and Was, I'm sure, will be back to, to come and tell us about it next week. There have been comments about that, I have noticed. 4-3-3, not 4-4-3, says, I have to be honest. I struggle with the Jorginho signing. He's baking humble pie and I'm willing to feast, but not because of the goal, but... I thought his passing gave us midfield control. Yeah, apart from the goal, what did you make of Jorginho? Because um, obviously no one wanted to see Thomas Partey miss the City game. He came in for that. And yesterday was a big, big test for him and a, and a big marker for him. He's laid it down to say, look, I'm here. I can contribute. I'm a gunner now. Look, the reason Jorginho divides opinion, and I am one of these, you know, I'm still quite divided on him. And he, he has deficiencies, but... We all know what those deficiencies are, and I think Arteta is aware of them. But yesterday, the one thing he's not deficient in is his passing range. It is superb. He was peeing balls short, long, etc. He was giving something that that our other midfielders have not given for a while. You know, Thomas Partey is an excellent transition player, moves it well, passes it short, and transitions through the midfield very, very well. Granite Jacker. Been a bit off form, but he's, you know, what he does is control, you know, gives us that final third passing, does really well with, you know, keep giving it stability and moving it along. But Jorginho's passing range yesterday gave us a little option to switch the ball left to right, left to right. And it was really nice to see. Now, Jorginho is not Thomas Partey. Everyone's thinking that he's a straight replacement. He's not. We know he's got problems. He cannot press. He's not a presser. He, he as soon as he, if someone beats his press, he's gone. He's he's lost it because he's got no pace. We all know this. He's more of a shielder than a breaker. He can't break up play and move it along. He shields well, and he's got good defensive stats. But he's not going to be chasing players. He just doesn't have that mobility in him. But his passing range is undeniable, and that's what he's got. He's a good controller. Now, whether he works with Granit Xhaka, I'm not particularly convinced yet because I think there were a couple of issues and it's not necessarily him as a player. You know, I don't think we should label it as it's, it was his fault necessarily. But when he tries to press, it doesn't usually work. And that's because obviously you've got two fairly slow midfielders, not very mo mobile at the moment. I actually think with Thomas Partey and Jorginho, that's not a bad combination because you actually have got a very mobile defensive midfielder in Thomas Partey who can transition and with an excellent passer in Jorginho who can get a little bit further up the field is not required to defend as much and press as much but then move the ball but look the man has come in he hasn't done any you know he's 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 giving us something different and that's what we need we do need something different is he a top will he be at the level of Thomas Partey no but is 
Thomas Partey is a unicorn in, in the footballing world. No one's going to get close to him. So you've got to be realistic. We couldn't get Caicedo. Okay, I think we are all disappointed with that. But it wasn't going to happen, clearly. We all know the target for the summer, fingers crossed. You know, as, as uh, Rohan said, we're getting some biryani going, hopefully. You know, uncle, the uncle's going to come along and give us some biryani. Um, but, you know, for the moment, we have to make do. Jorginho has, you know, has done well, I think. I think it's just that the system is something he's not used to. He has to adapt to it. But his passing range helps us massively to just change the play a little bit. And, you know, the wingers, as was says, you know, in, in previous things should be high and wide. And Jorginho helps to get the balls out quicker to those players. So, uh, and obviously the goal yesterday, what what can you say? As, as Kate said, it made everyone jump up. They were singing his name. What else can you do? I mean, it, you know, we know that there are areas that I've said, but don't slate the man without him performing on the pitch, which he has done. He's not going to be perfect. He's not a Thomas Pye replacement, as I've said just now multiple times. But give the guy a chance to do what he does. We, The coach should try and adapt, obviously. It's not always possible. We've won the game, and he's been a big part of it. He absolutely has. There's a lot of love in the chat for Jorginho. Uh, one or two people saying that he's raised the floor of the squad. A lot of people being very complimentary about his passing. He does break the lines beautifully. He's got that versatility in passing as well, the short pass, the clip pass. I love that he finds players and plays the ball into space. You know, it's a really, really his neat vertical. His ability. vertical Ab passing absolutely. is different. It's different. That's what it we is. don't, you know... It is, Sorry. and on a day, it's all right. And on a day where Granite Xhaka didn't have the best of games, and everybody who knows me personally will know that I'm Xhaka's biggest fan. Um, someone like Jorginho has got to step up, and in such an environment, such a game where you're under the cosh from minute four, Uncle Unai, early kickoff on Saturday, 72 hours rest from the City game, and of course we dropped. You know, we hadn't won in one in four four games in all competitions. If you bear in mind the FA Cup game, there was a lot of pressure on Jorginho, a lot of pressure from him to step up, and people forget though. This guy's a Ballon d'Or bronze winner. He won the Champions League final against uh, Manchester City when he was in Chelsea. I think it was just a case of him being part of a functional team. And as soon as he's familiar with his teammates, you know, with when he's once, once he's had maybe half a dozen games under his belt with Xhaka, with Erdegaard, once he gets familiar with the automatisms of the team and like who's going to move when, when someone gets the ball, the guy could fly. He could be a really, really promising player. But to your point, yeah. He's not Thomas Party, and I think Arsenal fans are sensible enough to know that he is the unicorn player party. I think Arsenal fans are also sensible enough to know that, you know, we shouldn't compare them physically. Like they're, they're two very, very difficult, uh, very different uh, players and profiles. Yes, Thomas Party is, you know, just physically dynamic, you know, imposing the octopus, incredible uh, at being press resistant. This guy's not that. Like you say, he's a shielder. But what I see from him on the ball. I think he's going to pleasantly surprise a lot of people. So I'm really pleased for Jorginho. I'm really glad that he got the goal or, or helped get the goal. Um, there was a comment in the chat here from I'm in trouble. The look on Martinez's face was priceless. Even better was Emery calling him an embarrassment. Uh, you mentioned uh, Martinez. Well, let's, 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 let's take a little look at that. There he is. Uh, ladies and gents, uh, boys and girls, and latte firm ultras. I thought I'd get the edit there of Jorginho from the World Cup. That made me tickle. Um, I mean, look, Martinez was time-wasting throughout he is obviously an Arsenal, an ex-Arsenal player, won the cup with us. Um, a little bit arrogant, but goalkeepers usually are. They're a bit wacky, aren't they? Um, I mean, Rohan, any closing thoughts on, on Emi Martinez and, and I guess, 
his performance yesterday. Uh, Unai Emery was obviously really annoyed that he went up for the corner, which of course led to our fourth goal, which we'll, which we'll talk about next. But what are your thoughts on the goalkeeper? Yeah, I think with Emery, um, we've all, you know, obviously seen a lot of Emery and being our, our, our manager, um, but I've never seen him that rattled after a game um, as he wasn't that frustrated. So um, I feel like there could be some tension there um, between the coach and, and Emmy. I think with Emmy, he's very much, I think, a big moments player. You know, I think for Arsenal, when he came in um, and he had that, that opportunity to come in for Leno after that injury at Brighton, um, his consistency from when he stepped in all the way to the end of the season was incredible, you know, and it was at a stage where a lot of Arsenal fans, including myself, felt that, you know, he he's done nothing really wrong, so he deserves to stay. But Arteta at that time said, you know, we have Leno um, stylistically in terms of on the ball play. Emi Martinez is a better player than Leno, but, you know, Mikel said that, you know, you're going to have to fight for your place. And he obviously wasn't willing to take that. I think he, he felt from his perspective, he's at a stage of his career where he needs to play regularly and he's gone to Aston Villa. I think, like I said, you know, the FA Cup performances for us were incredible. You know, um, in the Copa America for Argentina, he he pulled up some massive performances and obviously in the World Cup, you know, he was instrumental um, in getting Argentina over the line. So I think in the big games and the big moments, his mentality and, and how he performs, you know, I think is generally world-class. But when we're talking about consistency for Aston Villa, and I know quite a few Aston Villa fans He's been really inconsistent. He hasn't been able to maintain the level that he's been showing in these games, in these big games. Um, so I'd say he's been pretty average for Aston Villa, um, or despite what we have seen, um, the, the good stuff from him. And, you know, he, he doesn't really like playing against us. You know, I remember when in his first game um, or second game when we played at Villa Park and we, they beat us 1-0, he had a really good performance. But since then, last season, he had some really poor showings um, at the Emirates. Um, and, and, you know, yesterday, you know, he... he the, the own goal is a little bit unfortunate from from his perspective but you know the the, the final goal um you know I, I I kind of agree with Emery I don't think you really need to be in a position where you you know you're chasing a goal obviously but I think the the chances of you scoring bearing in mind that you know goal difference at the stage isn't necessarily something that um is going to matter I, I didn't really understand that so yeah I, I think me personally I don't mind him um you know I know a lot of Arsenal fans you know, can't stand him. I, I, I generally, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with him to be fair. But it is nice um, to see what happened in the end, especially with the amount of time that was wasted. I'm even happier now, of course, that that we've won the game. Um, Wayne in the chat has said Emery was fuming that Emmy went up for the corner. He said he'd never allow that, and of course, he in the BBC interview, Unai Emery said he now knows for the rest of his career. Uh, ominous words. Um, Kate, I want to come to you for the breakaway goal. Obviously, a new bromance seems to be uh, in the air between Fabio Vieira and Martinelli. Both substitutes, both involved in our final goal, as you can see on these images, courtesy of now underscore Arsenal. But let's just rewind a second, Kate. We've gone 3-2 up. Villa get a corner. Saliba's headed it out. And then you see the big man in orange jogging up towards the penalty area. We've all been there. Um, just talk us through how you felt when you kind of saw everything unfold. Then, of course, the corner gets taken and we break away with Fabio Vieira. Just talk us through that like, sort of minute of chaos. That was exactly it. It was just a minute of pure chaos, wasn't it? Um, seeing him go up, my initial reaction was fair play. Um, I mean, you can't blame him for doing it. It's his shot at redemption, really, isn't it? And against your former club, um, after sort of just coming off the back of, um, well, not necessarily even a mistake to let in that third goal, just a really bad stroke of luck. Um, he 
clearly felt like it was his sort of personal little mission to to level the playing field again there. Um, so I don't blame him for going up at all. Obviously, Unai has a slightly different view. And it was actually surprising to see him sort of talk that strongly in his interview, I think. Um, he's not he's not the type of guy to kind of throw his players under the bus as such. But I was quite surprised by the comments that he came out with after that. Um, but yeah, definitely seeing all that unfold in real time, it was just a bit of a, a flash of madness. Um, seeing Fabio Vieira sort of break and then Martinelli obviously tapping it in and then sort of celebrating before it had actually gone in the goal as well. Um, there was a, definitely a bit of disbelief in, on my part, um, but what a result. I mean, we couldn't have hoped for anything better in that moment, I don't think. Um, and at that yeah. point, I mean, when Martinelli just sort of, you know, rolls the ball into the net, you guys have gone in the stands already, haven't you? I mean, you've looked for the offside flag. It's not there. It's clear it's not there because Fabio Vieira's made the ball from inside his half. And I think Martinelli was also made maybe just inside his half, whatever. It wasn't there. Um, and you, you're gone. I mean, at that point, you can, you, you know, it's relief. It's, you know, and breathe. And we've, we've won. And it was 90 plus eight minutes on the clock. Is that right, Kate? Yeah, I think it was. But that just the complete sort of switch of mood from being absolutely at the lowest of the low um, to then being euphoric and me snotting and tearing everywhere. It was just an absolutely mental combination. Um, and yeah, it felt quite surreal to be honest, because definitely there was a point in the match where I was thinking, well, if we can scrape a draw, I mean, we'll have to take it at this point. Um, not that that would have been an ideal result, of course, um, but a win just seemed sort of out of the question almost so to have that moment at the end there and then to see how the players dealt with it at the end um they sort of came straight up to to the away fans especially in the corner where I was down down by that last goal um and they were really sort of soaking it in with us um and there's definitely a real sort of feeling of unity I think um and to be there amongst that is just so evident to see sort of how much it meant and um, particularly like Martinelli after he scored, I think he shouted, this is Arsenal. Um, that passion is just so clearly there that, that we haven't seen in such a long time, I think. I love that. I love that. And there's a video that I tweeted on my personal Twitter, if anybody uh, is, uh, is unaware, of someone taking footage of Jorginho's goal from a, like a phone on the touchline and the way they celebrate in front of the Arsenal fans where he made it 3-2, Granite Xhaka was sub moments earlier and he sprinted from off the bench to join into the celebrations on the pitch. It's a tremendous video. Uh, you know, the, the, the club photographers there and all the players are going absolutely nuts and Saliba banging the cannon. I mean, just makes you just so uh, really, really happy inside. Um, just in terms of the goal, Rohan coming to you. Lots of nice comments in the chat about Fabio Vieira. Grumpy Doctor says Vieira celebrates his pass to Martinelli and that's a great moment. Um, there was a couple of comments about Vieira being quicker than maybe uh, one or two people thought, but it was a lovely way of pass. It was a really nice moment for him to be composed. And it's just a good moment for him. He's not had too much game time for Arsenal. You know, I don't know the stats off, off the top of my head, but he seems to be getting like 10 and 15 minutes here and there, not really getting starts. So it's going to do his confidence the world a good, right, Rowan? Yeah, for sure. Um, and I, I tweeted something after the game where I think with Vieira um, is that at baseline, so at a minimum, I think you're going to get a player who kind of has that Midas touch. You know, he's always going to be able to deliver you with that that final output. And I remember when Edu spoke about signing Vieira, he said that within the squad, 
you need different qualities spread across the pitch. And we don't have a player like Fabio Vieira. And I think he is referring to that final ball. And his numbers for Porto last season kind of speak for itself. I think statistically in Europe, he had the best, you know, goals and assists ratio out of anyone, um, you know, in, in each European league. So that's the type of player that he is. And I think, you know, it's underrated that weight of pass. You know, he's literally put it on a plate for Martinelli. It looks very easy from watching it at home and I'm sure um, in the stands. But, you know, he gets it absolutely perfect. And I think Mikel's slowly integrating him. Um, I think we're going to see a lot more of him in the Europa League and as the season kind of um, unfolds. Um, but I think he's he's someone who has serious quality. And I think tactically he's getting stronger as well. I think if you go to the, the game against City um, in the FA Cup, I think... We didn't talk a lot about Fabio Vieira's performance because obviously, you know, you lose the game. You know, people really don't look at certain things. But I think in that game where he he just stood on Rodri and he kind of stopped his influence. So I think those little things, I think he's getting so much better. And I think that's going to, he's going to get even more better with more minutes under his belt. And I think the progression of his performances um, in these cameos, I think, you know, are really encouraging. I remember when he came on against Everton as well. It was only a few touches um, and... Again, we didn't really create much when he did come off the bench, but it was nice to see him really assured on the ball. And because um, he's had some games where physically he's kind of struggled, he's he's been you know eschewed off the ball. Um, so I, I'm really happy with him. And I think again, you know, as the season goes on, going into next season, I think he's someone who kind of like Bruno Fernandes for Man United, where he's going to give you that consistent final output. And I think with Vieira, that's the type of player he is. And, um, you know, it was a really good moment for him. And it's, it obviously is nice to see, you know, the, the pass going to Martinelli and that connection that they have, um, they, they've been developing. As Barry says, Vieira is adjusting well still. He's getting used to English football and uh, getting used to what Arteta is asking him to do. Um, somebody else has just come in saying, Nemo says, Vieira will be our Bernardo Silva, let Arteta cook. Yeah, just before we move away from this and look at the league table and sort of finish up for tonight's show, a question we've had from V Vlad, yeah? I'd love Fabio to get a few starts ahead of Xhaka once parties back. Not really a question, but I'm putting the question to you, Yem. Is that a viable option? Would you like to see Fabio Vieira playing that left eight role ahead of perhaps Granit Xhaka? Um, I mean, I guess Emil Smith-Rowe is knocking on that door now that, now that he's fully fit. What are your thoughts on that, Yem? I don't think it's an, I think it's a, it's a good suggestion. I think he's more mobile and he provides a good option. I think what Arteta likes is the stability of a defensive. You know, he likes Granit Xhaka can be defensive, solid, a solid defensive option as well on, you know, when teams break on us. It's a really hard one because I think like Rohan, you can see Vieira's quality. He has got that Midas touch, that little you know, that little nous about him that he's going to be able to change a game. I think what's missing at the moment is the physicality. He's still not ready yet. There are, I think that's why Mikel is bringing him in slowly. He is a little bit behind physically. That's, you know, he's a young boy. Again, we're talking, you know, we were talking on Twitter about Emil Smith-Rowe, his injury problems. And again, he's a young man. We're talking about very young players here who we're expecting great things of straight away. Arteta, I, I'm pretty sure Arteta wasn't expecting anything massive from him. He's got good underlying qualities, but he wants to bed them in slowly to address their shortcomings and really develop them into people who are going to make a difference in the squad. I think that's he's doing that with Vieira perfectly. Bringing him in in these games when it's a little bit when you know when it's a little bit easier for him to start having an influence to move around, get the passes, get confidence, understand the physicality. The, the demands. And I think yesterday was a perfect example. He came on with 15 minutes to go against a team who are physically, you know, strong. It's still a, an open game, but he's got the the ability to have an influence. It's not like the 
the Man City game, for example, where it's one end to another and it's so physical and it's and it's one of those games that if you drop him in, is he gonna? Is it really going to be worthwhile for him because he's going to be, you know, he's going to be so physically outmatched? Maybe it's not there yet. But I think like Rohan in the, you know, preseason is going to be a big one for him. I think, you know, those preseason tours, he's going to get more game time. He's really going to start exerting himself. The Europa League, the early, you know, fingers crossed, the early Champions League games. I think those are where you're going to see, you know, Fabio Fabio Vera come to the fore. A young player, you know, needs time to develop. I think it's just a matter of time because I think I think everyone sees it. He's just got those little little things that you could you you know, if he's you know if he physically develops, he's going to be you know a really good player for us in the future. I, I'm 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 glad that we've got him. You know, to, you know, we wanted you know players like Mudrik. We can see that Arteta wants to develop those kind of players. He knew this was a project, so you know. What he's doing is absolutely perfect right now. Absolutely. Uh, just conscious of time. I know we've gone over the hour mark. It's a slightly longer show than usual because obviously there was so much to talk about yesterday. We will come to the final slide next. Just notice that there's just shy of 700 of you watching live right now. Really grateful for you guys tuning in on this Sunday evening. Please do drop a like on the video. It really helps with the algorithms on YouTube. And of course, subscribe if you're new. If um, you know this is the first time you're tuning into Latte Firm, you get this sort of content after every game this season, as, of course, you get the Twitter phone-ins, which are available as audios on Spotify. And if you like any of the guests, do use their Twitter handles on screen and drop them a follow too. Right, let's end the show by looking at the league table. Of course, straight after our game, City did drop points at Nottingham Forest unexpectedly. And that is the top six, as you can see, courtesy of PremierLeague.com. First question, I guess, Kate, coming to you first. Um, City dropping points was just mad and I don't know if you were still on your way home like were you on the train were you in the car when the full time I mean were you listen on listening on the radio like did, did when when the goal went in were you celebrating like were you there for the full time like how how did that all sort of unfold yeah I became aware of it once I got home actually after the game um and yeah as you say very unexpected to see that happen I think a team like City you don't expect them to drop points sort of at a crucial stage like this, where they do want to sort of reclaim that top spot, especially against a team like Forest. Um, it's definitely a surprise, um, but a very welcome one. Um, it does beg the question though, I mean, Man United creeping up in there, and I'm sure we'll touch on that in just a moment, but um, yeah, I think City, they're really struggling sort of with their consistency now at this point in the season. Um, I am I'm more confident about our ability to sort of um, maintain our spot above them than I am about other teams potentially catching up um I think Man United in particular are maybe hitting a little bit of a better run of form um so they could be the one for us to watch in future as much as I hate to say it because they're probably my least favorite team um but yeah it's good to see that sort of City aren't sort of back to their old ways um of, of sort of taking three points every week I mean I watched the game uh, obviously, I was I was I was hosting the phone in on on Twitter at the time, sort of live score updates, and Wayne's in the chat. It was so painful watching uh, watching one way traffic. It was largely one way traffic. City battered Forest. They def- Forest defended deep. They had eight nine players in the box at, at a certain stage of defending shots. And once City had broken the deadlock, I thought, right, they're just going to open up second half, and they flew out the block. Second half, Manchester City, you know, Gundogan, De Bruyne. 
um, pinging shots wide, really early doors, and then for Forrest to get an equaliser with five minutes to go. Unbelievable. I mean, Rohan, the gods were smiling down on us. Um, we have now got that two-point gap back again after obviously losing on Wednesday. As you can see there on the league table, Arsenal played 23, 54 points on the board. Manchester City have played 24, 52 points on the board. We've still got that game in hand. Um, is it back, uh, you know, is the pendulum back in our sort of favour, Rohan? I mean, is it is it advantage Arsenal? I'd say so. Um, I think, you know, we. I remember I came with James, you know, at half-time when we were talking about, you know, in the City game where, you know, we said even if they had won that game, which they obviously did, City haven't showed us anything this season to suggest that they're going to go on a run. Um, and, and I think it is a different type of City compared to previous season. Now, that's kind of weird to say because City this season still, the points that they've accumulated, um, I, I think this is one of their highest points tallies at this stage of the season under Guardiola. Um, and that's just a testament to how well we've been throughout the season. Um, so I, I think Saturday was very important because one, for us to get over the line and, and to kind of, you know, put an end to this split that we've had because last season we saw, you know, we've had, you know, those three games against Brighton, Palace and Southampton. And we, you know, you, you can't have those 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 moments of turbulence in a season. You can lose certain games, but you can't go on a on a run that can that can damage you. Um, so it was very important for us to stop that little rot. And then I think City drawing to Forest, you know, I watched the game as well and um I think I don't know how Forrest have managed to get something out of that. Um, but again, it's just kind of a really good way to show that this city team aren't unbeatable. Um, and they're not they're not showing anything that they're gonna go on a run. There are frailties there. You know, Forrest had one moment, they they exploited certain deficiencies within City's backline and they punished them. Um and that for me has given me more confidence, increased confidence that, you know, even if we do have more slip-ups along the way. Who's to say that City won't slip up as well? Um, and I think for us, if we can get Thomas Partey and Gabriel Jesus back soon, because I still think that's how our season is going to be defined. If we get them back up and running and we're able to maintain a consistent, settled eleven, I don't think we will lose this. Um, and I, I just think it, it depends on injuries. Um, I, I think if we can get those two back, I, I don't think we will lose this. Um, and you know, to, to have that two-point cushion with a game in hand, that game in hand being against Everton at home will be difficult on paper, but I, I think we'll, we'll have enough to get over the line. I think that puts us in a good position. Um, so definitely game on. I think there's still going to be some nervy games along the way. And I think we've, we've had quite a few recently, um, you know, the United one and now obviously this one as well. Um, but but I, I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic. Um, I think we've got a difficult game next weekend against Leicester in terms of, their front line, I think their defence is is horrible, and we can definitely exploit that. But you know, it's it's going to be another test. Um, but I'm quite confident. Yeah, Leicester obviously getting battered today uh, at Old Trafford, which brings me on to Yem. The final question of tonight's show. I mean, are Manchester United to Kate's point, Yem, in the title race? I mean, they're they're third place, 24 games on the board, 49 points, so they're five points behind us. But we do have a game in hand. I do look back at their fixtures recently or since the World Cup and, you know, City and us were probably their toughest fixtures. Are they in the race for you, Ian? It's a really hard one because they are having a very good run of form, especially with Rashford. I think he's been the one who has stood out. They, I just looked at the fixture list, actually. They have got some tough fixtures coming. They've got Newcastle. They've got Liverpool, Chelsea, Tottenham. There's still some big games for them to play. So... I wouldn't call it yet, but you can't deny that they've, you know, they, you know, outside of us and, and City, they have been the form team. It's undeniable. 
you've got to give credit to Ten Hag for you know taking a team, a bleat about 350 million pounds worth of squad, which he's inherited, and getting them back into form. They've obviously got a very tough game this week against Barcelona. So it'll be interesting to see how they, if they go further than this with, if they beat Barcelona, they were very good against them in the new camp. If they beat them and they go further into the Europa League, where do they prioritise? Do they have the depth? Are they one Marcus Rashford injury away from becoming a very ordinary team? Because they are very good, but uh, Rashford has provided them an outlet, which you know they've they've been they've, they've been reliant on him. He's the one getting their goals. I don't think there's much else outside of Rashford. If I be very very honest, I think his pace on the counter attack is what is helping them. But like you know any team, if you lose him. Where will they end up? It, big games coming. It's a hard one. I, I, they're there right now. But I, it will all depend, as Rohan said, on the injuries for each team. You know, City, if they get one injury to Haaland, how does that change them? It, there's still so many games. And, and the, the, you know, the Barclays, as we've seen this weekend, is so unpredictable. We've got the big one next weekend, the Jeevan uh, Derby, as, as Rohan called it. You know, I, I know Rohan's going to provide exclusive commentary on that one. You know, just, it may um, listen. I, I think I think United are. They're obviously flirting with being in the title race. I'm not sure they are. I think, as uh, Glenn Knightley just said, our next five fixtures are pretty good on paper. Uh, no easy games, of course, but it is a kind run. I mean, we'd, we'd, we'd rather be playing our next five than maybe any of the sort of traditional big six. But we are 15 games away from the end of the season. 15. Um, don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. No, no, no. I'm it's... not. I'm not going to say it. But I'm just like, you know, we, we're well over halfway now. This is the business end. So I'm really looking forward to it. Well, look, we're going to end the show there. Uh, there are still just shy of 700 of you watching live. Please do drop a like on the video. It's greatly appreciated. And thank you so much for giving up your time to tune in and just sort of watch this stuff with us and for all the comments in the chat. Tremendous thanks to all the panellists. So if anybody wants to follow Yem, he is at Verge59. Cheers, Yembele. Anybody wants to follow Kate at CakeLH. Kate, thanks so much for coming back. It's been a long time. Hope you've enjoyed it. I definitely have. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good. No, it's a pleasure. Don't leave it so long until you come back again. And Rohan, of course, thank you. You'll be dropping an article tomorrow, Rohan, on Arsenal's tactical master yeah, plan yeah. and whatnot tell be, us a little bit about that yeah that'll be tomorrow after work okay. I'll, I'll just put that out so okay yeah. if you're if you're, if anybody's on twitter yeah. do follow rohan he is at rj arsenal blog there we have it ladies and gents um what a fabulous weekend what a way to go into your working day tomorrow or if you're going back to school tomorrow you can give it the big in the playground arsenal are back we are top of the league 15 games to go and we are running out of games now. So let's fingers crossed we can take it to the next one. It's Leicester away. We'll be back in the week with a preview show. And then next weekend we can pick things up on the late night latte on Sunday night again. Until next time, bye for now.